Welcome back, everybody, to the Institutional Insights series hosted by Char Addicts. We have a very special guest on the podcast today, Michaela Silvestri. Uh, there you go. There Hello. we go. Got it right. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And yeah, here I am. Drop all the questions you want. <laughs> You've worked with retail traders, you've worked in institutions, you now work for one of the top five largest crypto exchanges in the world. Very excited to talk to you about your history and your work history, but for the people that don't know a lot about you, um, can you introduce yourself to the folks at home? Absolutely. Absolutely. What a pleasure to meet you all virtually. My name is Michaela. I've been working with, again, uh, retail and institutional for more than five years. I started as um, as a former investment market in Citibank, I started as a risk analyst in there. Uh, I was managing all the clientele from the Latin American community. And then, well, I decided to transition to venture capital in Switzerland and finally into retail uh, with Astroforex in London. Um, again, I have been um, trying to get the best of every industry. And now I know that the that the sector in which I want to be working in, uh, at at this moment is definitely um, crypto. I do think that I want to be part of this ecosystem because the pace in which it's growing is, is, is unbelievable. And at this point, what I'm doing is business development for Huobi. So my main role is to, again, work with the institutional sector and the, on the B, B2C uh, type of clientele to bring the best solutions to both of them. Um, again, as part of my daily life, I do need to transact with Binance, Coinbase, Kraken. I do need to be in constant uh, connections with all of them. So that's part of what I do. So I basically connect the dots. I basically uh, make sure that all exchanges have something to offer to retail clients and to a startup. So that's that's my main job. So you got your hands, you really have your hands full, kind of being part of one of the top five exchanges during one of the hardest transition, I want to say hardest, but during one of the most important transition periods into that new digital economy. And so it's really, I'm really excited to get an insight on your perspective, because you have a front row seat to how this is all being developed. Now, City, Astro, Huobi, you said that pace was a huge reason why you're interested in the crypto space. Are there any other reasons why you believe that's where you need to be right now? Well, to be honest, it's just, again, the capital that is flowing, me as speaking from a corporation, the capital that is flowing in the ecosystem is just huge. Um, I do think that, again, client acquisition, crypto is just smashing it. I think that FX will still be a major market that's not going to change. It's a trillion market. Um, but again, I do think that the opportunities that you can find in crypto just because it's a new ecosystem are huge. You can, again, if you want to see it from a job perspective, the way that you can escalate in the crypto ecosystem is like this. You can escalate faster now in the crypto ecosystem that you escalate on, again, maybe institutional banking. That institutional banking already have a limit, a cap. The ones that are there are the ones that are going to be there for the next 10 years. While in crypto, the people that are entering are the people that we're going to see as CEOs as of big, big corporations in the, in the next few years. So that's that's why I want to keep growing and developing in this in this area. So I actually understand that a little bit because I have a background. Uh, I came from Merrill Lynch, the Bank of America company, and then I went into now I'm retail trading. That's the majority of my focus. So from your transition from city to Astro, which is basically institutional banking or institutional clientele to retail trading. What shifts did you see in the culture 
between institutional and retail, how people talk about money, how people approach markets and things like that? Wow, it's such an interesting question. And in fact, this is probably my, my biggest lesson. Again, I do think that retail traders still have a lot to learn about the verticals. And the difference between institutional clients and retail is that institutionals are very pragmatic. They see money as it is. While in retail, I see, I still see that that lack of pragmatism. Okay, a lot of uh, not realistic expectations that at the end is going to impact their pockets and their trading. So I do think that retail trading becoming pragmatic or as pragmatic as the institutional world is what is going to is going to make the change. Um, again, um, I do think that we need to change the way we're teaching. FX institutions need to change the way they're teaching their students because, again, they must teach them that in order to reach that um, level of independence that FX or trading in general give them, they do need to, it's not simply just to go and, and study fundamental analysis and study technical. No, it's because far behind, far behind. They need to level up with the knowledge that a banker has. They do need to level up. If they want to be independent, they do need to level up with the knowledge that is in Wall Street and they do need to understand that. And when they change that chip, when they change that mindset is when the, when the results come, um, when they understand that it's more than just that the retail trading world is more than just Instagram. When they understand right, right. that, the whole thing changes. So when you're talking about studying Wall Street and studying banks, is that for the purpose of understanding the people or the institutions you're trading against, kind of understanding your opposition? Or is it just to understand how the game works in general? How the game works, works in general and also the knowledge. It's not to trade against them. It's the actual knowledge. If you want to be able to be a good trader, regardless of you working in banking or not, you do need to sit in a table and be able to defend what is a monetary policy, to be able to give your opinion on the current monetary policy of the Fed. That's something that a retail trader currently cannot do and i'm speaking about the general of course the general ones i'm not i'm if of course I, there might be some of them that are able to speak fluently about economic policy but the 90 percent of them they cannot and that's where i mean that you need to they need to understand how the game works in general how the whole game works from brokerage operations mm -hmm. to price action as well as the knowledge okay that's those are the two points so that actually brings me to a point where I'm going to ask you about the Fed decision later. I'm going to have to put you on the spot there. Um, if we're just going to touch on this topic, a lot of people disregard fundamentals in trading because the correlation between fundamentals and price is a little bit skewed from an informational standpoint. So when you say they're going to learn the game, should they also be focused on the day-to-day -day news or are you just talking about the setup and the mechanics of the markets? Both the day-to-day -day news because that's the way in which they will practice practice their economic knowledge and that they like that the whole mechanism of how the markets work again i do encourage trader they need to do need to know how brokers work for instance in order to before even actually learn about price action so it's, it's the whole mechanics for me it's the whole mechanics um and yeah to answer your questions it's it's the whole system they do need to know about the whole the whole ecosystem so if you could sum it up from your perspective could you explain to a retail trader at home how a brokerage works? What's the purpose of a brokerage? We'll start in the FX space, and then we can talk about crypto in a second. But in the FX space, could you, ex could you give a rundown of the flow of how that works? Of course. Look, it depends on, first, 
a, a type of brokers, the ones that are providing the liquidity to the whole world. And that liquidity comes from the big five. Um, Citibank, JP Morgan are the biggest ones in Europe. They are the ones that provide the FX liquidity to the whole ecosystem. So I call them the base of the pyramid. If you want to, if you actually want to put it in the pyramid, the banker, the banks are in the in in the base. Okay. Then you have top top one top tier tier one type of brokers like Elmax, for instance, IC Markets, XM, okay, uh, FX Giants, the brokers that provide liquidity to sub brokers. Mm -hmm. Then we have B type of brokers, A type of brokers, in which, again, uh, I can put different names, but I don't want to enter it here in, in contrast with the industry, but are, again, brokers that take the liquidity from another broker. And we are seeing millions of them right now in the industry. Okay, usually, usually academies have their own broker. Okay, usually- White label brokerages. White label brokerages, that's, that's the word. Uh, white level brokerage are in very very common and they usually take the liquidity not from the bank itself not from jp morgan not from city but, but from, from another brokerage another broker exactly okay um from as well from those brokers those brokers actually act as well as proprietary firms which is mm. you can call them, yeah exactly so now we're making the, the pyramid a little bit lower um those uh, white level exchanges also have their own proprietary firms who can also work as broker in some cases. And then we have, of course, um, retail traders. So as you can see, it comes from the very the, the big ones. So JP Morgan, CT, Mary Lynch. I'm actually not sure if Mary Lynch has an FX uh, department. No, right? No, it'll be like Deutsche, HSBC, City. Yep. Exactly. And then you keep uh, scaling in the pyramid. People do need, traders do need to know how the liquidity goes between all of them, because then they will understand spreads, then they will understand liquidity, then they will understand why the market moves the way it moves. Uh, again, without entering too much specificity, once you understand how the liquidity works against in the whole system, now they see the whole game with a lot more clarity. This is not this is not retail against institutional. Is you need to understand how the ecosystem works, and then you will understand again price action. So if you could. And that's excellent, by the way. I, I think a lot of people are going to, they're going to have like that click moment where they're like, okay, now I need to learn how the money flows because most retail traders are focused on the next dollar, the next trade. It's really five feet in front of them syndrome. When they start to see the whole picture in a holistic sense, then they start to become a lot more rational in the decisions they make. So I think that's, that's awesome. To the retail trader that's sitting at home, would you have like a pie chart of how you would separate priorities, uh, psychology, technicals, understanding the mechanics of the game yeah i know absolutely i do think that i give the least amount of time to technical once i have learned it fully so i'm going to divide this in a very good way okay once you once they understand technicals fully once they have ticked that box then they can prioritize other things in their daily life which is definitely staying on top of the news and psychology i would probably say that having that spending more time working on your mind like meditating, journaling, backtesting um, is probably more important than the time that you spend on the charts. But the time that you spend on charts should be no longer than two hours. More than two hours distributed during the day is too much. Okay. Uh, apart from that, traders must have at least three hours of distributed brain growth through the day. Let's say one hour in the morning, one hour in the afternoon, 
one hour at night, but it should be three hours totally for the brain or exclusively for the brain uh, during the day. Could and you, finally, yeah. Oh, so, so sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was, I was wondering, could you explain to people why it's so important? A lot of people, when they, the people who are already into personal development, they understand that and they resonate with it automatically. The individuals that are skeptical, they're the ones that need the most help in their trading because their psychology and their life is not really where it needs to be. So when they hear you saying that mindset's the most important, automatically they might start to block it off and just be like, that's for somebody else, not for me. Could you explain a little bit about why mindset and working on personal development is so important for trading? Absolutely. I have two ways to answer this. The first is because when I was um, in AstroFX uh, and I was mentoring people, I realized that the majority of the losses were not due to the strategy. Um, again, we had a, a huge uh, data team, data analysis team in the in the company, and we were able to see like the flow of, of, of the trades of, of, of every trader. And I realized the strategy was not wrong. The strategy in most of the cases was okay. It was the addiction of the trader to see the color uh, blue or red in the metro trade of four who was actually making him lose money the strategy was okay in the majority of the cases so when the trader focused mainly on the brain he realizes that trading and the opportunities that you take in the markets should be very black and white very very mechanic you take the opportunity you wait until you take your, your um, uh, hit the, the, the take profit and that's it you go out of the market but no, the majority of the people, because they don't work on their mind, they're not training their mind to be disciplined during the day. And again, that's the way, that's that's why they lose. My second, my second point I wanted to bring is again, they do, they do need to act like they do need to think like a broker. They do need to think like a banker. When you see a banker going to his office every day to make the trades that he has to, to do in OTC, he goes, he sees the opportunities in the market, he takes the best one. Place the trade. At the end of the day, he goes home. He completely disconnects from market. He has made the trade. Ideally. Ideally. We know that. <laughs> we know that institutional traders are still human. Exactly. Exactly. No, that's true. That's very true. But they do need to think this in a very, in a very cool way. In a very, in like this was was a job. You need to go do your job, disconnect completely, and come back again the next day. Ideally, again. But um, the majority—I do think that that's the reason why the majority of people lose so much in the market because it's not about the strategy, it's not about the risk management, it's about the mind. Uh, when the mind is not trained fully and constantly, tra the trader, regardless of how good the strategy is, you won't be profitable due to the lack of control. So, what are some tips that you could give to a new trader? Because I'm imagining that let's say 30 or 40% of our audience are individuals who are trading from zero to one years. Mm -hmm. And so what tips could you give to those individuals that they don't, uh, we're a coaching service. And so what we do is we work one-on-one -on -one and we, we found that rebuilding habits that someone's already built and unwiring those is the hardest thing to do. Building habits from fresh and getting someone on the, on a consistent track early is the easiest thing to do. So what mm -hmm. advice could you give to the new trader about how to get their mindset right to prepare for a journey in trading? To be honest, you have said it so right. To try to change the mindset of a trader, of a, of a already existing trader, is difficult. I do think that the trader needs to completely clean clean their mind, Th think like they're entering a new career, as being as a new human and a completely new person. And once the trader tries to erase, okay, the habits that he or or she already has, it's easier for them to. Um, to feel that they're joining a new career. Now, um, answering your question, I will say 
Look, meditation for sure. Meditation is the first point in the list because that's that's the only thing that will reset you um, as a trader. Now, secondly, I would say not many traders do this, but knowing what's your personality type. Do you know, do you, have you done a personality test? Do you know who you are? Do you know what's your how uh, adverse to risk you are? Those are analysis that traders don't do, and that's the first thing that they, they should do before even jumping into trading itself. So meditation, personality tests, I do recommend them to, um, before they, they spend so much money on course, I spend money on mentoring with a proper psychologist or a psycho or, or a yeah. professional in the, in the field that can analyze you before you analyze yourself. And they tell you, okay, you're like, this is, this is. One of the first thing I, I did uh, when I transitioned from investment banking to retail, was to I did spend like quite a quite a, a big chunk of money, um, being with uh, a psychologist, okay, a behavioral finance professional. I spent like one hour with him for probably three months, and he break down my whole DNA, um, and he said you're like this, you're like this, and you're like this, and because you're like this, you need to trade like this. So investing in a behavioral finance psychologist is probably, or an investment uh, behavioral finance uh, professional is probably the best thing that you can do. Again, purely on psychology. Is that, was that individual, so you said he's a behavioral psychologist in finance specifically, right? In finance specifically. Okay, so I've actually never heard of, like, I know that there's institutional traders have performance managers that are basically like a performance psychologist. Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, 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 exactly. Performance psychologists. I do think I do think that you need to speak with those type of enemies. Like the Wendy Rhodes, if if you have seen billions, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Um, I think that's brilliant because this is kind of what I went back to, and I said that institutional traders are fallible too. It's because they're human. You have a fight with your wife and you come to work, even if you're trading a two fifty million dollar you know fund for your for the the larger fund, you could still bring those problems uh, you know to work with you. So in terms of psychology, um, most traders problems come from issues that they have not addressed in the past. Is that what you feel like people could benefit from, from talking with a psychiatrist or a psychologist? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. In fact, the majority of the, of the mistakes that they commit on trading do have to, they are linked with their personality, with, with past experiences that they have in their lives. Um, I have met all type of traders and they don't develop those um, psychological uh, biases when they start trading they there it are happen later no it happens before it comes, it oh, comes oh, oh okay okay oh. okay so if you're a gambler let's say you have been a gambler a whole life and when you start trading you're just increasing that gambling habit but the majority of the traders the, the habits that they have on trading do have to do with their previous money management um uh, habits so that's why i say it's really important to take trading as any other serious aspect in your life, if you have an issue with it, go to a psychologist. He, like again, a, a, a professional in the field, he needs to. He will tell you what is going through your head and why you're doing the things you're doing. And I do think that one recommendation that I give all FX academies in the world, if they want to succeed, you have to have a behavioral finance uh, professional in the team, someone that does the one-on-one mentoring in a very, very professional way and know exactly what he's doing and know exactly which. Uh, cables to touch in, in people's mind. Right. Um, okay, I, there's a lot of interesting questions I want to ask you. We're going to move on from trader psychology, but this is really interesting for me. I, I just want to pick your brain about this. So there's two kinds of psycho. There's two kinds of psychology. There's behavioral, 
which is basically like just the actions that you take. And then there's more like psychological or Freudian psychology, which is studying the history of your actions and the motivations behind those actions. Okay. What we found with our traders is that trying to go for an approach where we're trying to like rewire somebody's problem when they were a kid or something like that is almost impossible for us to do because we're not professionals at that. But we can build a behavioral strategy that they can work with their existing personality to build something that works for them. That's so is there, is there one of those two that you found to be more beneficial? Do you find like, look, if you're not going to address those things, you can build a system, but it's going to come back and bite you in the ass one day? Or like, how have you seen it play out? I'm, I'm shocked, by the way, with what you said, because I think that you are the first academy that has properly addressed the two types and that probably are managing your students with that level of seriousness and when you detect, okay, well, something is a past and something is, is, is again, in your current behavior. Um, I do think that I will probably give emphasis on behavioral, but not because I think that's more important. I think it's because it's, because it's easier. If you ask me now, right? if you ask me now, uh, will you go ahead and try to change all the, like, uh, the, 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 the habit history of that person? I will say do it, but I will literally have so much respect for you because that takes that takes months, but it's, it's doable. But that's what that's why I say for you to do it. Uh, it's Roy, a commitment. Wow, it's a commitment. I was about to say, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I know, and I can see from from your face now that you're doing it. So it's it's really really a commitment, and I and I really appreciate that you're helping students with that. I will probably go to behavioral because it's easier and faster because. Mm -hmm first one is 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 concretely a process but if you're doing it wow like honestly could it, the, um i can't take the credit because honestly the the difference i've seen between individuals that respond well to the freudian stuff is essentially if they want to it's like if you genuinely want to make a change you'll notice be like oh okay the reason that i keep blowing my account is because my relationship with money is through a lens of scarcity and because of scarcity, I don't feel like I have the self-worth to break a certain dollar amount in my account. So whenever I get there, I become self-deprecating and I blow it back to a certain dollar amount. The person that wants to get better, they'll take that feedback and be like, okay, that's incredible feedback. Every time I get to that dollar amount, I'm going to remind myself that this is a subconscious barrier I need to break. And by consciously bringing it to my attention, they'll break through it. The other person's going to be like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm going to keep blowing my account at two grand for like the next three years and eventually quit trading. So the response of the student is what makes or breaks that system. But behavioral is actually practical, yeah. if that makes sense. It's practical, now, if faster, but I do think that what you're saying is true. The other approach is probably, is probably going to have more results if you do it well. I do agree with you 100%. You're it right. lasts. Like it once lasts. you know... Because the, the same issues are recurring. It's not, the, it's not a new issue that keeps coming. The same issue that was bugging me at a $10,000 account is going to be the same issue that's going to bug me on, on a six-figure trade, but it's going to yep. manifest in a different way. And so if I can understand the core issue, I can apply it to every unique yeah. situation. But look- You can be more right. You're very right. <laughs> very right. Yeah. Uh, our focus at Chart Addicts is on personal coaching. Because like we understood that the, psycho the psychology of it was the important aspect. So I do want to ask you about your time at Astro a little bit, and then I kind of want to move on to Huobi, which to me is like the really interesting thing. Top five crypto exchange. I want to pick your brain. In terms of traders listening to this, um, what did you guys see trends throughout the years that you could apply to a trader's journey today and give them a, a little bit of feedback on like course correction, on where they should go and how they should trade? So from the ones that we already have, you mean? Or yeah, yeah. Yeah, from the years of feedback that you've seen and working with different types of traders, you've seen consistent uh, things that work wrong and things that work right. 
based on the things that you see working for successful traders, is there any advice you can give to the traders at home based on that? Yeah. Um, the first thing, if you're going to jump into this career, uh, it is important that you take this career in the most pragmatic way outside of the bubble that we see on Instagram. I'm part of, again, I was part of the retail training industry. And I do think that one of the main areas uh, that were impacting psychologically traders, it was comparison. They constantly mm. compare themselves yeah. with other traders in the retail, in retail trading industry. A comparison was probably the first. And because again, part of that retail hype is always to see other traders in the space. But no, that the comparison must be eliminated. And with a, when, a, when a trader has those type of psychological issues, the first thing that I recommend is no social media. You focus fully on trading and no social media until you manage to like, uh, unlearn those habits. Uh, the, second thing, the second thing that I learned is, again, how poor psychological habits they have. They almost they dedicate the whole day studying fundamentals, studying technicals, and they don't put even one full hour on the mind. They don't put one, one full hour on journaling how they feel, on journaling how they act, on, no, on, on that self-knowledge. They put so much work into the knowledge of knowing the, charge, uh, the charts and not knowing themselves. Um, thirdly, again, risk management is important, but I just realized how they don't understand the system. If they see that they have five thousand more five five thousand dollars or five thousand pounds in their account, so if if someone puts again, we 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 used to have a proprietary uh, proprietary um, program. Someone puts five thousand dollars in their account, they totally lost control, and they they, they didn't understand that that was this is a number. Is 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 it's just zeros. They didn't have. They, there was no reason for them to lose control over that new amount they get. So my my recommendation from them is take money in a very cold cold way. Risk management and your perception of money must be taken in the in the most pragmatic way. Um, that's something that I learned. They don't take losses and win and wins in the same way. They they don't. They, mm. they, just so much unrealistic expectations to the losses and and, and they they again they, they don't see wins and losses in the in the, in a very um professional way i'm going to use the word pragmatic way uh, that's my third point and fourth again just to commit with a process much are you committing with a sport as a sport there was did you thought it was a hobby that you thought that it would be easier and it's not like that. If you're going to jump into trading, of course, enjoy the process, but take it seriously. And I saw so many people losing so much money because they thought that they get rich scheme was going to work. No, it's as difficult as any other job. People go to universities for five years. They study economics for five years to be able to know what they knew. And they think that in three months, they're going to be able to get the results. No. It's further than that. It's what you said, the knowledge that you have, Roy, in, in psychology. I bet it took you years to, to understand that. And they think that they're going to get it like this in one week. No, they do need to put the effort on learning the science behind. Um, so, yeah, that's, those are basic, that's basically what I learned. Um, try, I, again, my recommendation for traders out there that are just starting, take it as professional as they can and go with academies 
that will have a very professional approach to trading, not a very gamified approach to trading, a very professional approach to trading. And I'm very glad I, 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 I had the opportunity to know you, Roy, and, and try edits because I do think that the approach you guys are taking is, is very, very into the point that you're very, you're forming very long lasting traders, I will say. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, if we're going to touch on the topic of these, these traders that are at home treating trading like a professional, you said that you kind of have to have the same uh, or the same relationship with winning and losing. Could you give us a framework or could you give the people at home a framework of how to look at wins and losses in trading to be more pragmatic? Wow. Sure. I mean, again, the first thing that I will say is when you're starting to differentiate between the between both of you, but between both of them, it's really important that you um, uninstall the military for app <laughs> because the colors do play a key role. So I always recommend that when a trader is actually starting to develop risk management and, and proper disciplinary procedures, just try to only use the desktop because the colors won't play with your mind. You open a trade. You close the trade. That's and you awesome. Will, yeah, yeah, it, it does help. Like not using MetaTrader for in your in your phone will save so much money because it will be more in it will be more uh, less agitating for them. Let's say um, another another approach I will say to take losses um, and wins at the same time is again um, treated as the money is in is in your bank. So when you are when you have just made a trade and you have had a profitable month and you have 5k in your account, I don't recommend the trader to leave the 5k in their account. The money is not money on the until they made a withdrawal. So I do recommend if you're having a very good profitable month, take that money out and put it into a bank account. Never lose the money there because never leave the money there because that's not money until it's out. And trust me, the majority of them will lose the 5k. So my second recommendation for losses is exactly the same. Imagine that you have lost 5K from your Citibank account or Barclays account, whatever, because again, I don't know, you, you have made a wrong transfer. What do you do when you sit down and reflect on what, what you did wrong? What is the first thing you're going to do? Okay, you're going to evaluate to who you transfer that money to. Uh, how do you lose it? What mistakes you commit? And the majority of traders, they don't do that when they they lose lose the money and they trade again i'm saying when you're transferring when you have a bank account and when you have just transferred 5k to the wrong person you transfer 5k again to the wrong person no so my point was exactly that um just treat the money as it's in your bank account okay just treat treat the loss the, the loss with the same respect and sit down and, and and reflect okay you have just lost 5k why treat it with the same respect your trading account that you treat your your account balance and that's probably the main two advices that i give traders no what i'm taking what i'm taking away from that is really to be a student of either the win or the loss as opposed to becoming emotionally attached to that result and i think that that's awesome it's like no matter how good you get at trading is if you can stay a student i feel like you can always come out with a positive outcome whether you win or lose the trade because at yeah. least you didn't you didn't just like walk in there blindly. You lost some money. You don't know what happened. It kind of feels like you got jumped and you walked out of the scenario. Now you at least understood what happened so you can walk away with some dignity, even if you do lose. So transitioning from FX to crypto, how was that transition for you? Was that something that you had your eye on for a few years before you made the shift or did it just come out of nowhere? 
Well, I, I, I always was um, hyped by that. So when I was in uni in Venezuela, one of my internships was in the central bank, in the Venezuelan central bank. And I was in the committee that opened the first national cryptocurrency. I don't know if you heard about Petro, wow. but Venezuela has a cryptocurrency that is pegged with the, the, with the price of oil. With the with the barrel of oil, so I was in that commission trying to help, of course, uh, the executive developing that cryptocurrency, and I, I I was really deeply interested. But then I said I don't have the knowledge; this won't be my field. Then I transitioned it again to Citibank, then to venture capital, then to retail, and then I realized, with all humility, like uh, being very very uh, humble in this, but you reach a point in which, when you're the best one in the room, is the wrong room. So when you know that you know too much about a certain topic, for me, is already a wake-up call of there is time to learn something new or to do something different. And that was my 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 main my main um the main reason why I wanted to change. I just thought when you crypto have something, was more mentally stimulating. It was it's a challenge, you know. It was more of a challenge because I I I had a lot of knowledge on the price section and on fundamentals and on research. But again, I didn't know much about the crypto ecosystem. And for me, it was a challenge. How can I learn about the crypto ecosystem? Token, DeFi, staking, or everything in general, B2B clients in the crypto space. How do I understand the whole ecosystem more than just the charts? And that's when I took like four to five months to learn absolutely all the verticals possible from crypto. And what I did was, again, to start, to start, um, uh, going to some conference then i met someone that worked for Huobi, and here i am but again it was it was the drive of not knowing much but i needed to know that much so i it was it was a, a motivation for me to well that's actually there is actually an a sector that you don't fully manage Michaela, that you don't fully know about so it was my responsibility as a financial analyst to know more about that sector otherwise i will stay behind and that's something I recommend to traders as well. If there is one field that you don't know, you must know about that field. So, I mean, obviously getting into that new space must have been intimidating because as, as exciting as it is to want to go learn all this new stuff, maybe sometimes we feel underqualified. Maybe we're like, oh, are we late to the game? That young lady asked you an, an excellent question when you spoke at the conference and she was asking about getting a career in this space. So is there any advice you can give to folks who want a career in this space? of what they should be studying and what they should be focusing on to make themselves competitive? Absolutely. Certifications all the way around. So um, you don't need a five years in uni. Absolutely not. But you do need to take a course as soon as possible or a certification as soon as possible, probably six months, five months, four months. That is you about blockchain tech, payment solutions, fintech, um, uh, marketing in the crypto ecosystem. So if they want to jump on the crypto ecosystem, those verticals are a must. Um, and again, as many certifications as possible, because one thing that I'm noticing right now being in the space, the people that are in the crypto space are not idiots, all the opposite, because the crypto space is growing so much, companies like Binance, Coinbase, Kraken, they are taking the best professionals from banks, they're taking the best professionals from the traditional ecosystem, and they're saying, yep. I, give you, I give you a, bet, a better salary, come with us. So you will feel you, you're not entering an ecosystem where with, uh, with dump people or the opposite. It's new knowledge, it's knowledge that change fast. So the challenge is, is huge. And if at this moment, at your, for the traders that are hearing this, if you're at home and you're not learning something new, 
you're out of the game. You're, you're, don't, don't even try to play because you're out. You do need to be constantly studying. Now, this industry changes so fast. So, I mean, you're literally on the, in the front row of this. How do you keep up with all the changes in the industry? Do you focus on a few key things that are like a focal point for you? Or do you try to just keep a holistic view? How do you think about keeping up with this space? Okay, well, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, basically, I do try to do a certification every six months on something inside the space. That's my first rule. Wow. Secondly, there is something very interesting, quite a trick. I recommend every single professional in the financial industry slash crypto to every six to three months, go to indeed.com, go to uh, uh, job um, searching um, uh, websites and see which are the roles that are constantly emerging and go and see the job description. When you go to a job description, mm. go specifically to requirements. And if the requirements is on a specific knowledge that you don't know, there you go. That's the topic you will need to learn. So that's that's my advice. I always that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. I, I always see the job post and I said, oh wow, I don't have I don't I don't tick this box. I need to tick this box. So I go and learn that. That's, that's honestly, that's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard for people trying to get into a sector. So I really hope that you guys pick that up. Now let's talk about Huobi itself. Let's talk about crypto and the sector as a whole. From the back end, have you seen any trends in the past, let's say year or two years since the pandemic in a growth of retail and a growth of institutional onboarding? Have you seen any trends in the back end stick out to you? Yes. So um, I do, I, I've seen change in training volume and change also in the way they work, it has become so much first, it has become, become so regulated. That's the first point. It has become extremely regulated space, uh, but because they need to, otherwise they won't be able to work with governments. That's, that's the main point. Secondly, trading volume has changed a lot. Uh, again, we, ha we have seen how much total or the total market capitalization of the crypto space has grown lately. Mm -hmm. So that means that changes have, an excess, excessive amount of trading volume now, and that plays in favor due to trading commissions. Um, and the third is that because of COVID, I have also seen how changes have been impacted negatively because of trading volume. You think that COVID uh, is impacting only like um, the, the traditional economy? No, it's actually impacting exchanges as well because the same risk aversion, that same um, fear that traditional investors have, they do transition into trade into crypto now. Mm -hmm. And I can see in Huobi, I can see when trading volume goes down in the same proportion that BTC price goes, goes down. And if you think that Binance is not losing, or Huobi or any exchange is not losing money in this last sell-off, they are. Mm -hmm. um, like the trading volume is going down significantly. So like you're seeing a, a slowdown in the vol in the volume of traders and there's probably a little bit less volatility in the markets because of you know lower volume. You think that makes yeah. it more attractive to institutions like traditional <laughs> investment funds to get in because they don't have to you know sit in the volatility now? Yeah, of course. And if there are whales and if there are big market makers, when the when the market is like that, that's the, the perfect money moment to uh, play with the markets. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, there hasn't been a better time for the traditional sector to jump into crypto um, because the reason why now, when when volatility is low, again, the, the better for traditional investor. But the point I wanted to reach, as prices are very low, institutions are trying to take advantage of it 
and not only about the price. Usually what banks are doing right now is trying to partner with big exchanges for custody solutions. So mm -hmm. exchanges are trying to give so much, so many services now because the price is low, because there's almost no volatility to make, to close those clients now in terms of stress. And when the market is up, you will see that the portfolio of those banks will skyrocket. We have seen Citibank right now has a full department in, in blockchain in London. So I do think that they're quite, I, again, and this is me assuming, but they're accumulating reserves at this moment. This is me assuming totally. For sure. No, the, the audience would hate me if I didn't ask you about a timeline. So I know that guessing time, guessing uh, like duration in the market is almost impossible. But do you have an idea of how long this wall of money is sitting there trying to understand KYC, trying to get the onboarding, trying to get the blockchain security down so they can start to flow the money in? Do you have a timeline based on your unique experience? I do think I was about to, to, to correct you on one thing. The KYC is very fast. Like the onboarding process of those institutional clients is very fast. They are already, they are already onboarded. Trust me. They're already onboarding in our portfolios. They are already there. The only, the only, the only thing that needs to change is whether they press the green button and said, okay, we now need to increase our holdings. We now want to buy again. And that won't change until again, the global sentiment doesn't change. BTC does have a positive correlation right now with S&P 500 and with NASDAQ, we have seen it, it's over 0.5 in yeah. terms of statistical correlation. So until there is no change in the in the, in the economical stability, okay, of, of the whole globe slash US, I don't think we will see another recovery in BTC. BTC will follow what the US equities are doing. And this is not me assuming, this is pure statistics. So I do think that a trader that wants to know when this cycle will end, they do need to understand fully the Fed cycle. The, you the walked right into the last question. You walked, that was perfect how you pieced that together. The correlation between cryptos and equities and then the federal rates decision to tighten the economy and the effect that it's having on the market. So how has the Fed's decision, it's still going to be the last question that uh, we wrap up with. How has the, Fed the Fed's decision been impacting the crypto markets? And how do you feel like that scenario is going to play out in the coming months? Absolutely. Well, again, um, in the moment, due to, to that um, uh, very, very restricted monetary policy that they have now, and because they're rising, uh, rising rates, uh, I do think that the correction the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq are doing are going to stay like that until inflation gets controlled. That means that inflation is not going to get control now. It's not going to get control in two months. Probably it's going to take six months. That means that where inflation goes, the S&P 500 will go. And if it's going to take six to five months to S&P 500 to correct and to go back to new highs, that will mean that it will take the same to BTC. The next BTC halving cycle is far away. So there is no strong fundamental around BTC that can push Bitcoin forward. Um, I because again because of the correlation, analysts do need to understand what or or predict where are going to be the next uh, hikes in rate from the Fed. Understand when, in which terms, in which dates, and try to predict the economic consequences of those hikes. Once they do quite an economic analysis of the effects of that of those hikes, then they will be able to predict when BTC will go higher. If you ask me how much knowledge a trader must have of the Fed, all the knowledge possible, not only about hikes, 
what is the Fed going to be doing about quantitative easing? How is when is quantitative easing going to stop? That's something that retail traders do wrong as well. They think it's only interest rates. No, there's so many political, like monetary mechanisms that the Fed uses, and a trader wants to predict the BTC cycle good, well, and the S&P 500 cycle very well and very accurately. They do need to manage all the timeline, all of the of the monetary policy of the Fed, not only on interest rates, but also on quantitative easing and other credit facilities. And they do need to um, use quantitative analysis to make, be able to get those uh, predictions. I don't recommend anyone to do it visually on the charts, do it with data. I recommend people to understand data, to start managing data. Um, and quantitative plat um, platforms, so trading economics have a very good platform on that um, or, or facility on that. And go beyond the charts. Try to understand how long those economics effects gonna last until when. Mm -hmm. And then of course that will make a very good prediction. I hope that I made it very general to not jump into economics, but uh, that's 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 a main recommendation. Um, again, study the Fed upside down. The whole world is following the Fed, yeah. No, I love that. I love that approach. That's the same approach that we take. Um, I'm big into, into trading indices. And so US equities is my main focal point. And so we're always talking and we're always having the same conversation. So the, the people that are watching this at home, you guys can play that you guys can apply those same, you know, knowledge points that we've been using to look at the real data and figure out the sentiment of the decision makers in advance. And you can apply that to the crypto markets as well. Because like Michaela said, there's a correlation between the money being printed and flow in the economy and it ending up in these high risk assets. So Michaela, I want to say thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you. Can we guarantee a part two for oh, this yeah. podcast? A part two. Yeah. Part two, a part two and a second conference as well. Please. Part. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> thank you for getting on the podcast. Thank you for being an incredible speaker at the conference. And um, yeah, I'll see you on the next time around. Thank you.